Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-231-9279. That's 800-231-9279. 800-231-9279. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to House of Cards. Today, the game is different. I want to gamble. Gambling is a very serious business. Is that clear? Welcome to House Cards. Dave Weishaupt with you here deep from the swamps of Jersey. we got a great show coming up for you. Very recently, the First Circuit Court of Appeals in New Hampshire decided a case that could change the future of Internet gambling in this country. At the heart of the matter was the very controversial Wire Act. We're going to find out all about this court case and what it means for the future of gambling in this country, because coming up, we're going to be talking with Jeff Ifra. Jeff is one of the premier gaming attorneys in this country and the founder of the iDevelopment and Economic Association. We're going to find out what this decision means for the future of online casinos, online poker, and sports betting. So stick around. We'll be right back with House of Cards. Unlock your best self with the Life Hack Pack from More Labs. Use promo code RADIO15 at morelabs.com to get 15% off your first purchase of the Life Hack Pack or any of their other great products. That's promo code RADIO15 to take advantage of this great promo of 15% off your first purchase at morelabs.com. The Life Hack Pack from More Labs. Drink smart with morning recovery, sleep easy with dream well, and get more done with liquid focus. You can finally do it all with help from More Labs. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-231-9279. That's 800-231-9279. 800-231-9279. 
Tax Solutions Now is a complimentary referral service that connects callers to companies that provide tax services. Money matters. If you owe thousands in back taxes to the IRS, how much can Tax Solutions Now save you? I pay less than I owe. That's right. Money matters. So call Tax Solutions Now and get the IRS off your back. Since 2014, Tax Solutions Now has been a leader in the tax resolution industries. Remove wage garnishments, property liens, fines, and penalties. Qualify for the Fresh Start program or even uncollectible status. How much can Tax Solutions Now save you? I owed the IRS over $10,000. I paid a fraction of what I owed. Call now to reduce or even eliminate your back taxes. I called Tax Solutions Now and got the IRS off my back. Thanks. You saved us a ton of money. Money matters. How much can Tax Solutions Now save you call now and find out call 800-683-7377 you're listening to house of cards can you dig it can you dig it can you dig it Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. An incredibly important court case was decided a couple of weeks ago in New Hampshire that could change the face of online gaming in this country. That's why I'm excited to talk to our next guest. Not only is Jeff Ifra one of the premier gaming attorneys in this country, but he's also the founder of the iDevelopment and Economic Association. And take it from this gaming attorney, he's the gaming attorney that other gaming attorneys look to for information. And that's what I'm going to do because Jeff Ifra is on the phone with us right now. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. I mean, Jeff, before we start talking about this really important decision coming out of the First Circuit Court of Appeals, can you tell us something about the organization you founded called the iDevelopment and Economic Association? Yeah, thanks for asking. We started just around the same time that New Jersey decided to license and regulate online poker and online casino gaming. And the idea was to ensure that um, all of the operators in the space provided responsible gaming um, for all of the consumers in New Jersey. And also it became an, a trade association to provide education for lawmakers in other states who were considering passing online poker legislation and online casino legislation. Um, almost all the members of the industry, we have um, almost 30 members now, which include all the main operators and suppliers and vendors and support. And um, we testify in state capitals about online poker and online casino. And of course, um, since sports betting became legal, uh, we've of course addressed that as well. And uh, so far, we've got six states. We, Michigan is just getting underway, which was a big success for our group mm-hmm. uh, that we were involved in. And uh, now we're now we're working on uh, focused on Indiana and on Nevada, actually. You know, during this pandemic, one of the things that really grew in the gambling industry was iGaming. I mean, the revenue figures coming from online casinos and online poker and Internet gambling really exploded over the last couple of months. And one of the big questions a lot of people have in the industry is, have online casinos and online gambling finally found a sustainable audience? Uh, What do you think? After this pandemic is over, do you think the numbers will fall back to pre-pandemic levels for online casinos and online poker? Well, there's a lot in that question to unpack, but I would say that, um, you know, initially the big concern with online gaming was that land-based casinos thought 
that it was going to take its revenue away. And when New Jersey started, I remember 2011, 2012, the Borgata, part, now part of MGM uh, group of casinos, came out and made an announcement that they're actually finding that their online casino customers do not overlap with their retail customers. In other words, they looked at their database of rewards customers, people coming in, the foot traffic in the casino. They looked them up and they said, hey, how many of these customers overlap with how many people have been playing online? And they found that almost 95% of these customers were new. So um, as online casino online and folk grew in popularity to, during COVID because people were home and couldn't go into the retail casino, we expect that those new customers grew and they're not actually going to impact the retail customers. And so, yes, I think that that uptick in online casino and online poker play is going to continue post pandemic. Those numbers will continue to grow. And I think it will further be complemented ironically by, re- you know, for casinos, um, by retail revenue once those casinos reopen. I think right now, post, you know, post COVID, a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, there's so much excitement. All the states are going to go and pass online poker and casino, online casino. Cause, you know, in states like New Jersey, the casinos weren't hurt as bad because 25% of their revenue, even while they were doors were closed, were still coming in through revenue share agreements from their online casino and poker partners. Other states didn't have that. Yeah. Nevada was, you know, down to zero. Other states, even in Michigan, where there are casinos, when the casinos were closed, it, you know, we were pushing for the legislation to get enacted and implemented because those casinos were hurting from not having those revenue share agreements in place. So it was kind of ironic that, you know, New Jersey actually, by passing this law, ended up helping itself, you know, 10 years ahead of the pandemic mm-hmm. coming. They ended up helping themselves by enacting legislation so that those casinos, once they do reopen, actually weren't hurt as bad as other casinos who had no revenue at all. Um, but, you know, post-pandemic, I don't think states are really focusing on um, online as much as they are trying to get employees back to work and trying to get these casinos reopened in a safe way. And I think a lot of that will help once the, you know, the vaccine finally rolls out. Sure. I mean, one thing that may help guide states with their online gambling legislation and the future plans is the decision that came out of the First Circuit Court of Appeals. I mean, before we start talking about the nuts and bolts of the case, I mean, this case really revolves around the interpretation of the Wire Act. For those out there listening who aren't familiar with the Wire Act, what is that and how does it relate to Internet gambling? Well, I mean, that was the key question in the case, whether it does relate to Internet gambling. The Wire Act was passed in the 60s. Robert Kennedy basically wanted to keep organized crime out of sports betting. And so at the time, sports betting was happening on a state-by-state basis. You know, think of like a retail bookie at your local bar or your street corner, you know, who's taking bets um, or, you know, maybe even some informal pool. Eventually, organized crime got involved and there were not sufficient federal tools that the Department of Justice had to go after it. And so they passed this law, which basically said, hey, if you're engaged in a sports bet or um, a wire transmission which crosses over state lines, then we have federal jurisdiction and you're violating this thing called the Wire Act. Um, and imposed fines and jail terms. What that gave the federal government for the first time was an opportunity to go after sports betting. Now, the statute itself talks about sports betting. It only talks about sports betting. Um, what basically happened was that there was uh, a certain lobbying group who wanted to expand the meaning of the Wire Act so that it could also apply to poker, casino, and maybe unintentionally lottery as well. So what basically happened was... Um, they got the Department of Justice during the Trump administration to issue an opinion which said, hey, we know that during Obama administration, the Wire Act was interpreted to only apply to sports, um, which on its face, it only applies to sports. So it was kind of silly that if that was even required. But the lotteries 
um, you know, Powerball, Mega Millions, the way that those prize pools grow in number is that they're able to aggregate volume from all these different states. So they are collecting money from all these different states. And the lotteries were concerned that the Wire Act might apply. So they asked the Obama administration to issue an opinion, and they did in 2011. And they said, hey, lotteries, you're right. Don't worry about this. You can have your big prize pools because you're allowed to have transmission of lottery ticket sales and purchases and credits across state lines without having to worry about the federal government getting involved. As long as it's legal in the state, don't have to worry about the federal wire act. That was fine. And that stood that way until the Trump administration issued this opinion, which reversed the Obama letter. And what it said was the wire act now applies to everything. It applies to poker. It applies to casino. It even applies to lottery. Um, the case in New Hampshire was brought by the New Hampshire lottery along with the mobile industry. And, and we participated on behalf of idea because um, of online poker and online casino. There was no consequence um, insofar as sports are concerned regarding the expansion in this opinion. The opinion really only potentially um, intended to impact online poker and online casino. Um, as a result, the lottery industry, the poker online casino industry all got involved in this lawsuit in New Hampshire and sued the Department of Justice saying this opinion is wrong. Um, the Wire Act cannot expand into these other areas. And the Department of Justice responded saying, hey, you can't sue us. We just <laughs> issued this letter. And um, it doesn't mean we're coming after you. It just means this is our opinion. And if we come after you in the future, you'll have your chance in court to argue that the Wire Act interpretation was incorrect. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Is your bathroom looking old and worn out? Want to update it, but you don't know where to start? Then let VCI Bath & Shower show you how to turn that old bath into an aisle of beauty and functionality. Our residential bathroom solutions provide the best value on the market, and our customer service is second to none. Our cost-effective BCI Bath & Shower family of products has what you need. Remodeling our bathroom was a big decision for us. They didn't make a mess out of our house at all. And at the end of the day, we had a beautiful new bathroom. And it was a great experience the whole way through. We have the best monthly payment programs in the industry with payments as low as $68 per month or no interest, no payments for 18 months. That's right. Get the bathroom of your dreams now and pay for it in 2021. Call 1-800-462-5722 for a free no-obligation price quote. That's 1-800-462-5722. When you want quality bathroom products at a great price, it's got to be BCI Bath & Shower. That's 1-800-462-5722. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from Turnpike Sports with this week's Bet Flash. A pair of states have gone live with online sports betting. The state of Michigan went live on January 22nd. Ten operators launched in the state. BetMGM, FanDuel, DraftKings, William Hill, Barstool Sports, Golden Nugget, Win, Rush Street, and Twin Spires. Launching one day before Michigan, the Commonwealth of Virginia went live with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, which partnered with the Washington football team, began taking bets in Virginia the afternoon of the 21st. The Washington football team is the first NFL team to have a sports betting license. And finally, Pennsylvania has set a new state sports betting record. The Keystone State posted a record handle of $548.6 million in the month of December. Sports betting revenue for the state hit $34 million, a 200% increase from December of last year. The number one sportsbook in terms of revenue was Barstool, which reported a hold of over 19%. 
From the seaside to the desert, from the betting lines to the sites online, Turnpike Sports has got you covered. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Turnpike Sports. You're listening to the House of Cards. Nice. Nice. Not thrilling, but nice. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishout with you. House of Cards is brought to you by PartyPoker.com. Why go to Atlantic City or Pennsylvania? Pay for gas, pay for parking, fight the crowds. You can play the same games online anywhere in the Garden State. Sign up with code EXIT7A and take advantage of Party Poker's new sign-up offer of $25 free, plus a first deposit match up to $600 and start playing poker online today. Start playing and start winning some cash at nj.partypoker.com. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with gaming attorney and founder of the iDevelopment and Economic Association, Jeff Ifra. So I want to ask you about the the last opinion of the DOJ from 2019. I mean, when the DOJ put out their opinion and their memorandum, was that opinion supported by case law? Was it supported by legislation? Was it supported by legislative intent? What was the basis for the DOJ memorandum and opinion? Well, there's a footnote in the Court of Appeals decision, which came out, you know, two weeks ago, which, um, uh, which you mentioned, and that Court of Appeals decision affirmed the district court opinion, uh, which was a win for the industry, saying that the, the that the legal opinion um, is incorrect as a matter of law. Um, in in footnote two, the the court basically says that there was significant lobbying by Sheldon Adelson and the Las Vegas Sands Group, and that that group was specifically pushing. Uh, the Trump administration um, and had influence over the Trump administration as a result of uh, of Adelson's you know significant political contributions to Trump's campaign. Um, as a result um, of a group called the Coalition Against Internet Gambling, which was which has ties back to Adelson and his run, in fact, by two of his lead lobbyists. Um, the court just kind of mentioned that and cited to a Wall Street Journal article talking about Sheldon Adelson's ties to the change in the legal opinion. Didn't really comment further on it. Um, but, you know, the opinion came out the day of the Biden inauguration. So, you know, we all kind of found it kind of significant that, you know, the court's mentioning two weeks after Adelson dies and on the day that power is, is shifting to a new administration, you know, is dropping a, a note about Adelson's influence over this legal opinion. I know a lot of non-lawyers out there are curious about the uh, DOJ opinion, I, and everyone wonders how much weight do courts give the opinions from the DOJ? I, I know courts look out past cases, they look at legislation, but how much weight does the court decide based on the DOJ opinion? Well, I mean, I think that normally the DOJ opinion is, is afforded great weight. I think that um, I think that that was part of the concern about bringing this case to begin with. Is you know, do you really think you can take on the Department of Justice? So I, I hope that it's not so much about the court giving the opinion itself weight, but it's about the court giving the reasoning and the analysis and the opinion weight. And I think that they afford, I mean, I hope, at least in this case, they afford the appropriate weight based on, you know, their their respect for the analysis and for um, for the reasoning of the opinion. And in, in this particular case, you know, that analysis and reasoning fell flat. The opinion was, first of all, a complete, you know, 180 uh, from the 2011 opinion, and the court believes that the 2011 opinion was better reasoned, 
the wire act wording uh the court said was a mess um but whatever mess it was it wasn't as messy <laughs> as this new opinion was indicating so um you know it's not like the new opinion came out of it's not like their reasoning was so bad that it was like you know coming out of nowhere sure the, the wire act is vague there is language in in the language of the wire act that is vague that gave some concerns to you know the industry and participants in the industry banks were very concerned about whether or not um, this expansion and the interpretation that this applied, you know, to poker and casino was accurate. So it wasn't like, you know, from outer space, it just, there just wasn't support. There wasn't legislative support at the time the Wire Act was enacted to support the position, um, you know, of the Department of Justice and, you know, and the, and the trade association that, that appeared on behalf of uh, DOJ. You know, as a lawyer myself, I'm always fascinated on what the arguments and what the points the judges really focused on during the proceedings. What were the important issues that the judges in the lower court and the appellate level really focused on through the entire proceeding? You know, it's. I think that I was, you know, I was, so I participated in oral argument in the district court proceeding, and I sort of was kind of amazed. We were in New Hampshire. We were in Concord, a very small town. Um. And the New Hampshire lottery gets up to argue about how the Department of Justice interpretation is going to hurt um, the New Hampshire lottery. And here you have this judge from New Hampshire. And, you know, the New Hampshire lottery is just down the street from the courthouse, you know, and the New Hampshire lottery is talking about how if this opinion is implemented, um, they're going to have to shut down. And oh, by the way, <laughs> the money from the lottery goes to support, you know, the school system. It goes to support early child care. It goes to support all of these things. And, you know, it's hard to believe that that doesn't have an incredible impact on a district court judge from that town who's got his own kids who are part of that school system. And, you know, it was really an unintended consequence, I have to say, because I really don't believe that the lobbying group intended for this opinion to be considered so expansive that it would impact online lottery. And in fact, the Department of Justice tried, you know, they issued supplemental memorandum that read, Rosen, uh, that read right uh, that at the time um, uh, the, the the attorney general at the time signed off on a supplemental memo saying hey we're really not coming after the lottery and the Department of Justice even stood up and said we don't plan on coming after the lottery but you know but that wasn't enough to kind of assuage the concern that hey this is like a local this is going to be a local issue for New Hampshire so I you know it, it, that didn't come up so much in oral argument and through the opinion. But, you know, if you're asking me, like, what do I think kind of made the biggest impact? What was the language um, that was, you know, most concerned, most heartfelt? I definitely think it was the participation in the lottery. And, you know, it wasn't just the lottery. There were like 13 states um, that participated in this case. Um, the Michigan Attorney General, the New Jersey Attorney General, the Pennsylvania Attorney General, they all submitted amicus briefs. So, you know, I, I, I was saying to someone the other day that, you know, the night before the arguments, I'm sitting down and having dinner with all these state attorney generals, and we're all aligned. I mean, this is how far online poker and online casino and lottery have come. Wow. We're all aligned. You know, we're not sitting at the table with the top prosecutors of these states talking about them coming after our clients. We're talking about <laughs> how we're all like on the same page, and we're actually going to be looking at expanding the industry. So it was, um, you know, it was all it was all pretty cool. And I think and I don't really think that um, the folks who were responsible for this OLC opinion really took into account um, the lottery and how the states were going to come uh, behind and defend, um, you know, the former opinion. 
Well, you raise a very good point. I mean, there are states in this country that already have online gambling. I mean, Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware not only have online poker, but they're part of an interstate compact where they share a player pool where people in those three states can play online poker against each other for real money. What type of consideration, if any, did the court give to the fact that, you know, online gambling between three states is already occurring and, you know, no one's getting hurt. And for a lot of people, it would seem like the DOJ was arguing something that was already happening in the country already. Yeah. So, you know, our firm was hired um, early on to help draft the compact that you're talking about um, by the state of Delaware. And, um, you know, we... You know, we really were front and center in the New Hampshire Wire Act case. I mean, the lottery, you know, the lottery was, of course, the party. But when we participated in the case, we definitely made known to the judge, and he did mention in his decision the fact that this OLC opinion would impact the compact between these states. And, of course, that was really the intent. That was exactly the intent of this coalition group. And that's exactly what they were trying to stop, which seems so silly. Um, you know, they weren't after anything having to do with sports betting. Um, they were just focused on trying to stop this online poker compact between, at the time, three states, which has now, you know, expanded to include more states as states continue to pass online poker. So it's, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to imagine that someone would launch an entire campaign, you know, to stop uh, really not a lot of people from participating in a game that they love. But, but that's but those are the facts. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Is your bathroom looking old and worn out? Want to update it, but you don't know where to start? Then let VCI Bath & Shower show you how to turn that old bath into an aisle of beauty and functionality. Our residential bathroom solutions provide the best value on the market, and our customer service is second to none. Our cost-effective VCI Bath & Shower family of products has what you need. Remodeling our bathroom was a big decision for us. They didn't make a mess out of our house at all. And at the end of the day, we had a beautiful new bathroom. And it was a great experience the whole way through. We have the best monthly payment programs in the industry with payments as low as $68 per month or no interest, no payments for 18 months. That's right. Get the bathroom of your dreams now and pay for it in 2021. Call 1-800-462-5722 for a free no-obligation price quote. That's 1-800-462-5722. When you want quality bathroom products at a great price, it's got to be BCI Bath & Shower. That's 1-800-462-5722. You know, ever since the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its decision lifting the national ban on sports betting, the gambling landscape of the country is changing on a daily basis. So how do you keep up with all the latest news and developments? How do you know what each state is doing? You go to the one site that has all the information you need to stay ahead of the game, and that site is usbets.com. That's usbets.com. Written by the leading experts in the gambling industry, all you'll need is one visit to usbets.com, and you'll see why it's the number one gambling magazine in the USA. With usbets.com, you get up-to-date information on not just the sports betting scene, but also the latest news and notes on the entire gaming industry all across the country. It's not just one state, it's all of them in one spot. Stay in the loop and stay on top of your game. 
Get the latest news on sports betting and gambling from the country's number one gambling magazine. Get on over to usbets.com. That's usbets.com. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare benefits line now. It's easy. Call 800-217-1797. 800-217-1797. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-217-1797. 800-217-1797. 217-1797. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, ABE16, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him... A special toy for her. And a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code BABE16. That's BABE16 because without it, no free stuff. That's BABE16 at adamandeve.com. The weather is turning colder, but the action is just starting to heat up on the tables at Party Poker in New Jersey. Sign up with code EXIT7A and take advantage of Party Poker's new sign-up offer of $25 free, plus a first deposit match up to $600 and start playing poker online today. Daily tournaments, cash games, sit-and-goes. The Party Poker U.S. Network offers players an opportunity to participate in their favorite poker tournaments online every day, all day. And don't forget about their Sunday tournament featuring $35,000 in guaranteed prize money. So head on over to nj.partypoker.com and sign up today with our promo code EXIT7A. New customers get $25 free when registering, plus you also get a first deposit match up to $600. That's code EXIT7A to get your $25 free when registering and your first deposit match up to $600. The cards are in the air at partypoker.com in New Jersey. Must be 21 and over and located in New Jersey. New patrons only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Dave Weishuttle from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of February 1st, 2021. A decision in the First Circuit Court of Appeals in New Hampshire has created big ramifications for the future of Internet gambling. The court agreed with the lower court decision holding the Wire Act does not prohibit states from taking bets related to online casinos, online poker, and lotteries. The Court of Appeals decision set aside a recent opinion from the Department of Justice that the Wire Act applied to all forms of gambling. 
According to recent reports, Allied Esports sold the World Poker Tour to the private investment firm Element Partners LLC for approximately $78 million, with many events for WPT in 2020 either canceled or moved online due to the pandemic. Club WPT reported an increase of 61% in registrations and a revenue increase of 56%. The sale consisted of a combination of cash and revenue sharing. And finally, the Pennsylvania online gaming industry has set a new monthly revenue record for December. According to the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board, online slots registered a 730% increase in revenue year-over-year with over $46 million for the month. Online table games revenue in the state increased over 776% year-over-year, bringing in over $22 million for December. A lot of people are staying safe and playing at home. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HSC Radio. Unlock your best self with the Life Hack Pack from More Labs. Use promo code RADIO15 at morelabs.com to get 15% off your first purchase of the Life Hack Pack or any of their other great products. That's promo code RADIO15 to take advantage of this great promo of 15% off your first purchase at morelabs.com. The Life Hack Pack from More Labs. Drink smart with morning recovery, sleep easy with dream well, and get more done with liquid focus. You can finally do it all with help from More Labs. You're listening to House of Cards. Check out our website at houseofcardsradio.com. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. House of Cards is brought to you by Drizzly, your online liquor store. Available in over 95 cities across North America, Drizzly offers a huge selection and competitive pricing with a side of personalized content. Now there's no need to leave the house. Get alcohol delivered in less than an hour by Drizzly. Head on over to drizzly.com and order today. And now get $5 off your first order of $20 or more when using promo code DRINK19 at checkout. Shop beer, wine, and liquor with drizzly.com. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with gaming attorney and founder of the iDevelopment and Economic Association, Jeff Ifra. So what specifically did the appellate court rule in this matter? I mean, what and what was the rationale for this decision? Well, I mean, the, the appellate court really affirmed the reasoning in, in total of, of what the district court had said before. Um, in terms of what the legal issues that were presented, I mean, the, the, the court needed to first determine whether the lottery and Neil Pollard, the the, the joint uh, plaintiff on behalf of on behalf of the sort of the technology component of, of online gaming um, and online lottery, the court need, of appeals needed to decide, hey, can these parties even sue the Department of Justice? Like, is that a thing? Can are they in fear of prosecution? Um, and, you know, I thought that that was pretty cool because, like, that's not just a decision that's part of poker. Like, you sure. know, that's like everybody might have that issue. Like the next time any OLP opinion is issued on any topic. You know, the Court of Appeals has now decided, yes, you do have a fear of a prosecution when the Department of Justice issues an opinion saying that they are now interpreting a statute to apply to your industry, which you've invested hundreds of millions of dollars in. You can go to court and challenge that. You can challenge that as being incorrect, you know, as a matter of law. And, you know, the Department of Justice said, no, that's not that's not final rulemaking. That's just our opinion. It's You know, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean we're going to go after you. So the Court of Appeals had to deal with that issue, and I thought that that was, you know, that was pretty interesting, and I think that that's 
going to, you know, I, I mean, there are prior decisions that have said the same thing. I just thought that that was pretty significant in this context because I felt like that was something that was a potential vulnerability in the lawsuit. And, you know, you have DOJ issuing memos saying they're not going to come after the water industry. I thought that maybe the court would give that some some weight, but they didn't. So that's good. Um, after they dealt with, you know, whether the parties had this technical standing and whether or not, um, you know, the parties could sue and whether or not this memo was, was final, um, the court then had to go and look at the Wire Act language and wrestle with the language. Um, I thought that the court did a good job of looking at both sides. Um, you know, the district court opinion was extremely thorough. I mean, he has got to be one of the smartest judges in the country, and his analysis of the Wire Act was, was incredible. But I thought the Court of Appeals also looked at it, and they looked at it anew like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, they looked at the other side arguments, and, you know, they, they sort of talked about, well, if you're right, you know, DOJ and coalition, if you're right, you know, there's some other consequences of this interpretation. And they kind of went through that exercise in their opinion. Um, and, it, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of legal canons at work about statutory construction. And when do you look at whether a term is ambiguous and what's the role of legislative intent and what are the role of these amendments, which were introduced, in, you know, back in the 60s. Um, and so they had to kind of go through all of that to come out with the decision, you know, ultimately that, you know, the better interpretation was the original LLC interpretation, which was the interpretation, you know, we were advancing in the case, which they which they confirmed. So is this the end of the line for this court case? I mean, do you see it going to the U.S. Supreme Court or are, can we say this case is done? I really don't think that um, I don't. I mean, there's a couple of reasons why I think this case is done. Um, you know, first of all, as you know, you have to have like multiple conflicts around the country in order for the Supreme Court to try and step in to resolve the conflict. In this particular case, there's only there's really one court, this New Hampshire court, the First Circuit, which covers Massachusetts and other states, which has now said Wire Act does not apply um, to poker and casino and lottery. Um, there has been a prior decision from the Fifth Circuit, which you know covers Louisiana, you know Mississippi, Texas, and, and that court also said the same thing. So you have two courts saying the same thing. And you don't have any other court saying the other, you know, the opposite. They, the Supreme Court doesn't normally take a case like that. So now that doesn't mean they won't, but normally they don't. The other thing is we have a new administration and the person who wrote that OLC opinion is gone and been replaced and, and is going to be replaced by a new Biden nominee who's going to come in. I really and, and, and we know, as if you're reading the paper, half of Biden's administration are pro- prior Obama appointees. Yeah. So we're talking about a DOJ that's going to look very similar to the DOJ that signed off on the 2011 opinion, which is now the controlling opinion. Um, so I just don't see any reason why this case would be appealed. I don't see anyone in the administration who has an interest in it. Um, and in fact, I see the opposite, you know, an administration full of people who supported the original opinion. You know, ever since this decision came down, I've been reading articles and people trying to figure out what this court decision means for the United States and Internet gambling. I mean, some people are saying, does it mean federal legislation for Internet gambling? Will Internet gambling have to be created through the states and then the states do a, join a compact? I mean, practically speaking, what does this decision mean for the future of Internet gambling, in your opinion? Well, Listen, initially, the industry did not want gambling to go state by state because of liquidity concerns and because of how complicated and expensive that is for operators. So, you know, originally, there was a national poker bill that was introduced in 2010 during the Harry Reid administration. 
And the, the hope was that that would pass and create a national poker um, commissioner or SAR, and that together with the New Jersey and Nevada commissions, they would regulate poker nationally. But that failed. It didn't go anywhere. And as a result, you know, when Chris Christie eventually passed online poker legislation in his state, um, it, it became clear that if this was going to go state by state. Now, with the Wire Act um, now being confined to sports betting, that essentially means there is no federal statute that says that um, that online poker and online casino um, is subject to federal law. The only way it can be subject to federal law is if it violates a state statute. So it's 100% clear now that as long as the state says it's okay, there's nothing the feds can do about it. And this issue came up during the PASPA oral argument. So, you know, back in 2018, um, in the, you know, Murphy decision that, that the Supreme Court basically said that PASPA is unconstitutional and allowed, opened up the doors for the states to start authorizing sports betting. Now, I know we're talking about poker, but what happened in the oral argument in that case was that the Solicitor General was asked by the Chief Justice um, hey, what is the federal policy around gambling to begin with? Like, can you point to a statute that says we are the federal government and we're establishing a policy on gambling? And he couldn't. The only thing he could come up with was the Wire Act, which only applies to sports betting and only you know prohibits interstate transmission. Well, that's easy to fix. You just make sure that the sports transmission stay within your state. Now you don't have a wire act problem, but that's not a federal policy. And when it comes to poker and casino, there is no similar counterpart to the wire act. So the only thing was this interpretation of the wire act to apply it, you know, more broadly. Now that that has failed, um, and to finally answer your question, I would say that I think we are looking at, you know, state by state adoption of poker and casino. I don't see that the feds are going to get involved. There's no appetite among the industry participants to have the feds involved. I think the impression among most people, you know, maybe a little less cynical than what I'm about to say, is that once the feds get involved, they tend to screw things up. They tend to create monopolies. They tend to create all sorts of things which are not friendly for the consumer and are more expensive for the operators. So why, and you know, why open the door to that? You're a practicing attorney in the gambling industry. I, I'm very curious of your opinion. Do cases and decisions like this one create more litigation or does a decision like this clarify an issue and put it to bed for good? I mean, are you going to be busier <laughs> after this this uh, this decision came down? Well, it's a great question. And sometimes that does happen. Um, you know, I think that in this particular case, um, there there were a few people sitting on the sidelines waiting for this decision to come out, but they weren't really, you know, folks who were going to initiate litigation as a result. Um, so, for example, um, West Virginia had had legalized online gaming, poker and casino. But they said, hey, like we launched that we we authorized this a few years ago, but we don't want to implement this until this wire act decision is coming out. What's the point of doing all of this in a small state like ours only to be shut down? So so if anything, I think it's like the opposite. I think like rather than open up a floodgate of litigation, I think that what's going to happen in a positive way is we will be busier, but we'll be busier with positive things and good things. We'll be busier with states who are now saying, okay, I guess we can do this. You know, West Virginia will will finally, I think, dust off those regulations and say, let's go. You know, Pennsylvania was another state. You know, uh, almost like a day after this OLC opinion came out, Pennsylvania said, hey, industry, if you're going to get involved in online poker and casino in our state, which is legal, you have to do this with your servers to deal with the Wire Act, and you have to do this with your, you know, your 
your um, your PAM, your you know your PAM technology, the underlying platform that that the poker and casino um, um, book you know would would plug into. So that made things more expensive. So you know, if anything, I think there's going to be a relaxation now, and there's going to be more encouragement, and you know that's all good. You know, I'm from New Jersey, and I was in the state when, you know, internet gambling first started. I mean, whether it be online casinos and online poker and then followed by sports betting. And, and there's been one business that seemed to be very cautious with regard to online gambling, and that was the banks. I mean, I, I know when mm-hmm. a lot of online gambling first started, some banks didn't even want to get involved. And, and to this day, some still don't want to get involved in any any form of internet gambling. Do you think a decision like this one that came out of the First Circuit is a signal to the banks that it's okay to be involved with Internet gambling? Uh, no, 100%. That's like a super um, smart in, insight that you have as a result of you know having experienced that. I mean, the banks that I worked with and the payment processors, they have all been on hold because of this decision. Um, just to give kind of everyone who's listening kind of, you know, a, an insight into how uh, a company gets up and running in any particular state. Um, when you go into a new state, like, you know, Michigan just started. So if you're going to go into Michigan, you have to find a payment processor to process payments for Michigan residents who are playing online. In order to do that, you have to provide a legal opinion to your payment processor, as well as to the the bank that's handling the operating accounts for your company. Um, when you provide that legal opinion, you have to explain why the Wire Act doesn't apply to poker and casino. The only reason you have to do that is because of this decision. Now that that decision is gone, you know, I, I definitely think that banks are going to be more flexible looking at banking and processing for this industry. I think this is going to be a great relief to the banks because, listen, up until recently, the banks didn't really view most consumer activity as really, like, worth investing a lot of their time and money. I mean, most banks are, you know, more interested in construction, real estate, you know, commercial type activity that can be kind of their bread and butter. It's not about, you know, helping consumers get access to online entertainment and online poker. And so they were really never interested in taking on that risk. And there was such a great risk because there's federal oversight. If they do one transaction, which violates, um, you know, the Wire Act or violates uh, UGA, which is a whole nother law involving, yeah. you know, bank transactions, which violate um, underlying state gambling law, I mean, they're going to be sunk. They're going to lose their federal license. So they're just not interested in doing that. And you can talk to them about how big the volume is. And they're just like, we don't care. It, it may be huge volume, but in comparison to our other verticals that we're banking, it's small. Um, but along with that general kind of malaise of dealing with banks, <laughs> you had this wire act issue and they always came back to the table with it. And, yeah. you know, we can make our arguments all day long about how the OLC opinion was wrong. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. But now we have a court decision. It's a totally different story. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side.
Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available, and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare Benefits Line now. It's easy. Call 800-217-1797. 800-217-1797. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-217-1797. 800-217-1797. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, BABE16, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code BABE16. That's BABE16 because without it, no free stuff. That's BABE16 at adamandeve.com. You know, ever since the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its decision lifting the national ban on sports betting, the gambling landscape of the country is changing on a daily basis. So how do you keep up with all the latest news and developments? How do you know what each state is doing? You go to the one site that has all the information you need to stay ahead of the game, and that site is usbets.com. That's usbets.com. Written by the leading experts in the gambling industry, all you'll need is one visit to usbets.com, and you'll see why it's the number one gambling magazine in the USA. With usbets.com, you get up-to-date information on not just the sports betting scene, but also the latest news and notes on the entire gaming industry all across the country. It's not just one state, it's all of them in one spot. Stay in the loop and stay on top of your game. Get the latest news on sports betting and gambling from the country's number one gambling magazine. Get on over to usbets.com. That's usbets.com. You're listening to House of Cards. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. No. Five to one. No. Ten to one. You're on. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. House of Cards is brought to you by Drizzly, your online liquor store. Available in over 95 cities across North America, Drizzly offers a huge selection and competitive pricing with a side of personalized content. Now there's no need to leave the house. Get alcohol delivered in less than an hour by Drizzly. Head on over to drizzly.com and order today. And now get $5 off your first order of $20 or more when using promo code DRINK19 at checkout. 
Shop beer, wine, and liquor with drizzly.com. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with gaming attorney and founder of the iDevelopment and Economic Association, Jeff Ifra. Is this a case that will open the floodgates with regard to states allowing Internet gambling, especially Internet poker, when it comes to the interstate compacts? I mean, we mentioned Michigan before. They're going to have online poker pretty soon, and already their legislature said, you know, yeah, we'll join the interstate compact. Are we going to see more states like Michigan jump mm-hmm. into it? Well, you know, we should. Um, I think that, um, you know, what's happening right now is that um, state priorities right now are not to really expand um, any new businesses until they take care of their the businesses that are suffering from, from having been closed for COVID. So I think we have to give it a little bit of time, but not too much time. I mean, we are seeing states like Indiana. I mean, last week, our trade group um, presented um, a presentation to a dozen Indiana legislators who are looking at expanding um, poker and casino. Um, so I think there's two different things going on in the country right now in that regard. Um, to answer your question, you have some states who ha- already have sports betting, and so now um, they're interesting in toggling over to have poker and casino. Um, because, you know, as, as you know, in New Jersey, um, most, most operators who are offering sports betting actually make more money on their platform from their casino products than they do from their sports betting products. Sure. And that means more tax revenue. So, you know, states like Indiana are getting smart and saying, well, we're already doing sports. Why don't we just do these other two things, too? So, so there are states that are, you know, considering toggling over, and we are providing them a lot of education and materials to, like, kind of help them with that argument. But states that haven't legalized anything at all, I don't think that those states, who haven't legalized even sports are going to be in a rush to, to pass poker and casino merely because of this decision. Um, but I do think it helps. Um, and I, and you know, we're obviously going to continue to work with those states, but I think the first priority has to be, you know, there are casinos in most of these states that are operating on 25% capacity. Yeah. Um, and they're still, you know, because of COVID, you know, either closed or close to closed. And, you know, the states aren't going to be entering too quickly into passing legislation which is going to, you know, be looking at that industry going online before, you know, those casinos are back at 100%, I think, which is, you know, which is probably the right thing to do. Sure, sure. I mean, um, and as you mentioned, you know, we have a new president. There will be new personnel in the Department of Justice and probably new judges in this country. Where do you see the future of iGaming in this country in the next coming years? I don't, I don't, you know, it's interesting. I think that both Trump and Biden um, come from states um, that had, you know, significant gaming. I mean, you know, Trump, is people think of him as a New Yorker, but he was very involved in Atlantic City, obviously. Um, and, you know, there were times in the past where he was a proponent of online gaming. And I don't think he, you know, I don't, you know, other than this, than this, you know, alleged Adelson involvement in his OLC opinion, I don't think he really cares about the future of where online poker or casino went to. You know, um, Biden is from, you know, a small state, Delaware. He's certainly familiar with the casino community. There's three casinos there. They online poker and online casino revenue are important for that small state. He's certainly familiar with that. I don't think we've seen anything. I don't think we've seen any indication by anyone in his administration that they're going to be different, um, have a different view on online gaming or online sports betting. I do think that um, the Senate majority leader. I mean, I do. I don't think that Chuck Schumer is necessarily a friend to the entire industry. Um, I, I have seen his name on some some negative things during the Trump administration. I hope that will change. Um, that you know, that certainly is kind of more of a concern than than the executive branch. 
Jeff, we're running out of time, but can you give out your website for your law firm, the iDevelopment and Economic Association, and any social media address so people can follow what you're up to? Thanks so much for asking, of course. So on Twitter, it's at Ifra I-F-R-A-H, and our law firm is Ifra Law, I-F-R-A-H-L-A-W.com, and we have uh, 12 lawyers who uh, work with uh, anybody in the gaming industry from startup through uh, acquisition through sale. Um, be happy to, to you know take any inquiries as well, which we do all the time on a courtesy basis. And our trade association is Idea Growth, I-D-E-A-G-R-O-W-T-H.com. Uh, we had to add the growth to idea because uh, someone owned idea.com, okay. which I guess is not surprising. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you can follow, you can sign up for daily clips about the industry if you go to ideagrowth.org, uh, sorry, not .com, ideagrowth.org. In the right-hand corner on the top, you can sign up for our daily clips, which gives you a state-by-state rundown of developments in the betting, poker, and casino space every morning uh, at 10 a.m. Jeff Ifra, gaming attorney and founder of the iDevelopment and Economic Association. Thanks so much for coming on and explaining a crucial court decision for the gambling industry. iGaming is going to be such an important issue for the gambling industry in the coming future. So I hope you come back on and keep us updated about what's going on in the industry. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that'll do it for us this week on House of Cards. If you're going to one of the newly reopened casinos, poker rooms, or sports books, please be safe. We'll see you next time on House of Cards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.